Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Purple Row podcast for and by Rockies fans. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Welcome to Affected by Altitude. This, as always, is your one-stop shop for all Rockies news, updates, hot takes, cold takes, and bad takes alike over the past seven days. We appreciate you joining us. As always, my name is Mac Wilcox, and I am joined by my two homies, Evan Lang. How's it going, everybody? And Skylar Timmons. Yo, homies. (laughs) And in addition to those two homies, we have a fourth homie joining us today. Uh, so stoked to have him on, man. This is one of the editors of Purple Row and an all-around awesome dude with an electric arm, and that's Justin Wick. What's up, man? Man, you guys are rolling out the red carpet for me. I got to be on my best behavior at this rate, man. I love it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, man. Stoked to have you on. We have a lot of cool uh, topics we're going to talk about today. As always, on Affected by Altitude, which is a podcast hosted by Purple Row, the Rockies affiliation of SB Nation. And as always on these podcasts, we like to start off with a bit of an icebreaker, something to just kind of get us talking a little bit about some baseball, you know, whatever we want to get into before we actually get into all the news and updates and things like that. So the uh, question for this week, and I'll let our compatriot, our newcomer, Justin, uh, go ahead and rock this one first. Other than maybe Todd Helton, because that's a pretty safe pick, is there a fringe candidate to be the next Rockies Hall of Famer or someone that doesn't immediately pop up to mind? 
Man, I'm not going to lie. I was hoping you guys were going to let me go last on this because I picked yes, the heavy dude. wild card on it. Yes, dude. <laughs> so we're just going to roll out of the gates with the absolute wild card selection that I've got for this. I'm going with Zach Veen in low A Fresno. We're going to shake up the landscape. <laughs> I know. That's this is no why I wanted to go kid. last. Exactly. Seriously. Well, I was trying to think through it going, all right, you know, in the recent, like, I don't think it's even rational to think Carlos Gonzalez is going to get in. You know, Todd Helton's going to be the next fringe guy. But I was trying to just dig through the archives going, who is somebody that actually has a chance? And I hate, I know, I feel like it's really unfair. He's 19 years old. That's so almost, like, disrespectful for me to put it on there. But he just had a hell of a close to the season. His numbers would be even better than than they actually were. I mean, they were already exceptional. Posted a 900 OPS in his first season in professional baseball. And I feel like the groundwork has been set at least. You know, he's finally got his feet wet a little bit, and I think the ceiling's only up from here at this point. So I hope the ceiling is only up from this point. I know we're really just creating seismic waves when we're saying 19 years old in Hall of Fame. But you know what? That's my guy. We're really we're heavily breaking the ice right here. How about that? I love it, man. No, that's awesome. We got, we got <laughs> these takes, man. These are scorching takes to start us off. I dig it. Uh, how about you, Skyler? Who's your pick? Um, well, it's difficult, and you know, I'm just trying to think of people that we're thinking are going to have a Rockies hat on, or just played for the Rockies. And okay. Because that, <laughs> because honestly, right now it's really tough to pick out somebody like legitimate Rockies, like Todd Helton, or Col- yeah. or Larry Walker, of anybody that'll make the Hall of Fame. Um, like the most current one would be Nolan Arenado, and he doesn't play for the mm-hmm. team anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I do like that pick with just that Justin had of Zach Veen, of uh, what we're seeing from that kid already in his first professional season. I think he has a bright future in Colorado, and hopefully he can stick around in Colorado and just have a fantastic career and win some championships. Nice, and that's a good distinction, like between like someone that went in as a Rocky as opposed to like someone that played for the Rocky. So that is a good call out. Who's yours, Evan? So I was having the same question of, are we picking a guy who just played for the Rockies or are we picking a guy who would be going in with a Rockies hat on? Yeah, um, your call. Because, I mean, if we're thinking about guys who just played for the Rockies, I'd say the current front runner is probably Nolan. But uh, I'm not convinced that he would go in with a Rockies hat on after how his time here ended um so my my fringe guy someone who i think does have at least somewhat of a chance and would probably go in with a rockies hat is one mr matt holiday mm. um career 299 batting average career slugging 510 on base 379 seven-time all-star four-time silver slugger world series title in 2011 he won a batting title he was the uh, national league championship game mvp in 2007 Mr. Matt Holliday also returned to the Rockies for the final time in his career, which means that he, you know, still has some love for us here in Colorado. So that makes me think there's a chance that he would, should he be inducted, go in with a Rockies hat on. I like it. Good pick. Um, I was going to say that Carlos Gonzalez is mine. Uh, I, I think he's fringe for sure. Uh, but I just look at a guy that was like one of the most feared hitters in the National League from like 2007 to like, you know, 2012 or whatever. Um, you know, it, it's fringe. Uh, I think Matt Holliday is a good pick. 
Um, obviously, Nolan Arenado is probably the safest one. And then I love the Zach Veen pick, man. That's the best. That's awesome. I have a question here. Is, Please. Do the Rockies like have their own like Hall of Fame, like a Rockies Hall of Fame type of thing? They that don't. they induct players. That, they need to start doing that. They absolutely do need to start doing because that. Because look at all look at all those guys that they could honor in that way, like Dante Bichette, mm-hmm. Vinny Castilla, mm-hmm. you know, all the the original Rockies, those Blake Street Bombers, and you know that 07 team. Some of the highlight guys that we've had over the years there. Why don't they do yeah, that? Yeah, because it's like <laughs> you don't have to retire the number to do that, and it's like there are so many guys now in Rockies history. Because like the the Broncos, for example have their you know ring of fame mm-hmm. but they really are sort of sparing when it comes to retiring numbers and the rockies could do that exact same thing because i know that they're also very sparing when it comes to you know lifting a number up into the rafters mm-hmm. yeah and i think it's interesting because uh you know we have you guys mentioned those sort of like fringe guys like you know respectfully ryan spielborg probably won't make it into the uh major league baseball hall of fame but like he's a rockies hall of famer you know what I mean? Just like what he's meant to the team and like what he was to that 2007 team. Uh, yeah, I love some of stuff like that. Let us know on Twitter, guys. We always want to hear from y'all. Let us know who you believe to be a fringe Rockies Hall of Famer. And as Skylar opened up another good line of thinking, if the Rockies had their own team Hall of Fame, who should be going in there? So we'd love to hear from you guys. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what's going on. But as always, we got to get to some actual news here. And some updates, and unfortunately, we're going to start off with an injury. Connor Joe officially done for the season. He will not be coming back in time before the season is up. So he should have a pretty regular offseason, uh, able to resume baseball activities as normal, get ready for the 2022 season. And uh, that's a bummer because of, you know, a lot of highlights that he brought uh, as he, you know, kind of quietly made his debut in the Major League system after maybe surprisingly not breaking camp with the team after spring training he immediately made an impact so i have two questions on this we have connor joe being done for the season and then we also have herman marquez pretty noticeably struggling here as the season has gone on the question could be asked i guess do you think that herman marquez should be done for the season so open floor to whoever whoever wants it i have two questions for you what do you want to see out of Connor Joe next season, since he is done for the season? And do you believe that Herman Marquez should be shut down, or should they consider uh, calling his season a little bit early? Whoever wants it. Um, so I'll start here. Um, for Connor Joe, it actually was looking like he was going to come back to us maybe for the last week or so of the season. But when we were um, on that NL East road trip, when we were in Atlanta, uh, apparently his hamstring sort of tightened up while he was doing some warm-up drills, seeing if they could get him back onto the field. So they just decided that, you know, shutting him down is probably the best-case scenario. Uh, Daniel Allentuck of the Gazette said that uh, Connor Joe is planning to head over to Scottsdale for the winter and work on uh, running and cutting drills to improve his left field defense because he played uh, a lot of reps in left field this season. And... Um, Something I really like about Connor Joe, even though he's done for the year, is he feels, and I feel, and Bud Black also feels, that he made the best of his Major League opportunity this year, and that while he's, you know, he's bummed that he can't finish the season, that, uh, to quote 
uh, Connor Joe, he says, I feel like I maximized what I was given. And you look at his stats, and that's absolutely true, because yeah. uh, he slashed this year 285, 379, 469 in his first you know, real extended stint in the majors. Uh, eight home runs, 35 RBIs. And in uh, B-War, he finished in top 10 for the team with 1.6. That's really, really solid for what is essentially a you know, 28, 29-year-old rookie. And I'm really, really happy with how he did. What I want to see Connor Joe do is really just knock our socks off in spring training and earn a starting role. And I don't know if that's going to be in left field or if it's going to be at first base or anything like that. But I want to see Connor Joe with this team for a long time. I, I was, I was going to add because I, I do like everything with, with Connor Joe. And it's unfortunate his season has to end this way. No, mm-hmm. but what an also kind of blessing in disguise, the silver lining that, you know, we've seen what he can do, and I think the Rockies are really happy with that. And so they'll say, hey, get your rest, get ready, have good training in the offseason. Let's see what we can do with you next year. And that opens the door for guys like Ryan Valade and you know, Colton Welker, some of these other guys, to get those reps out in the field and kind of see what they have at the big league level and see how they fit into the picture next year. And also you get to see that crowded outfield some of these other guys kind of fight for their jobs this offseason. Oh, like the Rymel Tapias, you know, even Garrett Hampson, Sam Hillard, that, just that whole group, Jonathan Daza. See what they can do in this absence of Joe, who really did earn his starting spot throughout this season. And, you know, he has a good shot next year. So it'll be exciting to see what, what he can do. And, you know, what a great season by him. You know, very proud of him and everything that he's accomplished. You know, Skyler, you make up a good point there. I'm just thinking as far as, you know, you're very much playing with house money when you're talking about Connor Joe. I mean, he just turned 29 years old, and it's cool that within your own organization, within your own roster, you're able to really foster some degree of competitiveness, especially just the versatility of a guy like him being able to move around the diamond. It's fun to follow, especially when, you know, when you're playing with the Rockies, you got to kind of spread the wealth a little bit as far as development at this point in the season. And... At the same time, the Rockies have an opportunity to really foster the development of a couple of the guys that we've seen get called up from AAA even just in the last couple days. So, mm-hmm. yes, it is kind of devastating that we don't get to relish the joy of seeing Connor Joe, the fan favorite, but I think it's cool that it really opens the door for some development, but at the same time seeing that he is heading down the Scottsdale and taking full advantage of this whole team development operation that's going on. I think it's an uplifting sight, and I do feel like, you know, yes, he is getting a little bit older as far as prospect status is concerned, but this is a guy that can definitely keep putting some pressure on the guys in the current lineup or on the current roster, and, you know, by all means, I think I say, I think I speak for all of us right here. I definitely want to see this guy do some serious stuff in the next couple of years. Absolutely. And for Connor Joe, the, the Rockies really are at a very good advantage with him because it depends on what happens with the CBA in the offseason, but he's currently got two years of team control before he even hits arbitration just because of the nature of how long it sort of took him to get to the major leagues. And that's really, really helpful for the Rockies when they might be having to make some tough decisions here with some guys hitting arbitration. You know, what are they going to do with Rymel Tapia and Jonathan Daza and folks like that? So... You know, Connor Joe is a good option, and that the fact that they're sort of working on utilizing him in different spots around the field makes it so that he's got 
I think, a pretty good chance to be with the team for at least a few more years and, you know, even have a choice, a chance to really be a starting player with this team. Yeah. And it's cool seeing that, you know, we had a guy who had some difficulty breaking into the major league system. And now all four of us here are saying we want to see this guy along for the ride in the future. It's awesome. And I hope that, like you all said, I hope we can continue seeing his development. And like Justin said, really putting some pressure on some guys, man, because we have a couple of former players uh, here in Skyler and Justin who, you know, that's that whole aspect of that competitive nature that makes you want to one up each other in that friendly, you know, camaraderie kind of way but it just makes you all want to do better and really step up. So hopefully Connor Joe can continue to be that, you know, productive part of the Rockies core here in the future. We go now to the second half of that question, which is Herman Marquez, noticeable uptick in innings this year, noticeable decline in his effectiveness over the last couple weeks. What do y'all think? I'm going to actually start with you here, Evan, because I know this is something that you've been following pretty closely. What do y'all think, man? Is, is Herman Marquez, uh, should he be, done for the season you know as much fun as it is to watch him pitch every fifth day is it doing more harm than good at this point what do you got evan i am definitely on the side of i, I want to preface this with that erman has been fantastic for most of this season and you know as always i love watching him pitch and i really really am happy to have him as part of this organization but he really has just noticeably declined over the last month or so. And it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's a long season, and he's already hit the second most innings pitched in his career um, this season with 175 when he only pitched like 81 and two-thirds innings in 2020. And that's a huge uptick in workload. And you're really starting to see it now, I think, the, the wear and tear and just fatigue on his arm, where, especially in September... He had one really, really good start where he pitched six shutout innings, but um, he hasn't really had a you know shutout game or anything like that for quite some time since like August 6th. He's, especially if we're looking at the game against the Dodgers this last week, he very clearly was having difficulty locating his pitches, especially mm -hmm. his fastball. And the later he got into the game, he's had two straight starts where he could only go four innings. And in those starts, he allowed six and five earned runs. His strikeouts are down. He only struck out one game on September 17th versus Washington and only struck out four against the Dodgers. And his walks are way up so far in uh, the last two games. He's walked six batters. And that's just, it's a lot for him. And he's, he's very noticeably losing pitch placement and that's totally okay. There's only like 10 or so games left of the season. I'd say it's time to just, you know, shut him down give him an extra week or so of rest for his off season. Pat on the back, say, Hey bud, you did good. Go ahead and get some rest and we'll, we'll throw some rookies out there and see how they can do because we're going to talk about it later but you know peter lambert is coming back up we could maybe even see ryan rollison make his debut in the um waning days of the season mm -hmm. so i think there's nothing wrong with shutting Ermond down for the season just to say you know he's tired there there's a lot of wear and tear on the arm as you go through a full major league season and he's pitched a lot of innings and was really, really good for a large chunk of the season. He was uh, he was an all-star, the lone Rockies representative at the all-star game this year. 
but in just the last month or so, the ERA is ticking up. The the quality of his starts are ticking downward, and he's the only pitcher in the Rockies rotation who has not missed a start. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of wear and tear on somebody's arm who, you know, pitched in a shortened season last year. What do you say, my two pitchers? What do y'all got on this? You know, Evan, I like the point that you bring up about his walks and, I mean, the lack of command that has been coming together, and that's certainly kind of an indicator. I understand it'll come in cycles, but I'm looking at, you know, aside from opening day when he walked a bunch of Dodgers, his season high in walks was four, and that's only been matched twice. He did it on July 31st, and then he did it, he did it just a couple of days ago, his last start against the Dodgers. So... I get how this can very much come in cycles, and I understand how, you know, you can't really weigh too much on one isolated instance, especially when you make 31 starts in the year. But something that I found was curious, over his last three starts, he's pitched on a six-day cycle, a seven-day cycle, and a five-day cycle. So my initial thought was, you know, what if we just made it a six-man rotation for the final month of the year and we space these guys out a little bit? That I felt like that was kind of the rational thing to do, especially with the call-up of Peter Lambert, and then seeing what was coming together with another debut in Ryan Feltner. So I initially was under the impression maybe this is something that, you know, Marquez will just be able to manage this, but at the same time I was wondering, when you've made 31 starts, do you want to disrupt your routine too much? Like you said, he hasn't missed a start all season long. So mm-hmm. I guess, the, not that I want to play devil's advocate, I think there is something to be said about finishing it out and being the guy that powers all the way through I'm sure he's the one saying, you know, if I've made 31 starts to this point, why not just make one more and call it a year type mm-hmm. of thing? So at the same time, I don't know if it's necessarily going to do a whole lot, but especially with the recent call-ups that the Rockies have seen, when the rosters expanded to 28 guys, the Rockies took full advantage and brought up a bunch of relievers. We saw that with Julian Fernandez, saw that with a couple other guys. So I think that the expectation isn't so much that he needs to go deeper into games, and I feel like we've kind of seen that with him not reaching the five-inning mark in his last two starts. So my thought is, you know, roll him out there, but don't roll him out there too much. There's no need. Maybe his final start of the year is just a three-inning type of thing and just really hand it over to the bullpen at that point, which it's not, let's call it what it is, it's not like this is going to be very high-leverage baseball for the Rockies when they're closing it out with the Nationals and the Diamondbacks, but... I'm curious to follow along, and I'm wondering especially what Bud Black chooses to do as far as if he puts it into his own hands as the manager and if Marquez's next two starts of the year are going to be kind of light as far as innings go. Yeah. That's kind of what I was just barely thinking of. No, I'd prefer him to finish out the season just for the sake of his own pride as a pitcher. Um, but I like that idea of, you know, not necessarily expecting him to like, okay, Mar- okay, Armand, we need you to go out there and – no, we need to go out and shut out the Nationals. Says we really need this victory this year. No, nobody's saying that. Well, maybe somebody is, but no. <laughs> but even just having him go out there and just like, Herman, we just want you to go like three, four innings, 75 pitches, no max. Just go out there, work on those mechanics, work on locating your pitches where we need you to. No, and just kind of finessing because, you know, Herman Marquez – He's, we still haven't seen him reach that elite level that we know he's capable of. You know, where, where if you look at all a bunch of the other pitchers in baseball this year, especially those Cy Young Award candidates, you know, the Zach Wheelers, the Walker Buehlers, Max Scherzer, you know, Robbie Ray in the American League, you look at them and a lot of them have pitched more than Marquez this year. And some of them have kind of been around roughly the same amount of length. 
as he has or got a few years on him or something. So we know he's in that good company, and I think for him to take that step forward, there's still things he needs to work on. And so you can use these final, you know, one more, one or two more starts, have him go out there, throw you know, three, four innings as much as he can, kind of work on things, and then hand it off to the bullpen. You know, let Ashton Godot go out there and see what he can do over a lengthy yeah. time. Lucas Gilbert, all these yep. other relievers, give them a chance. And, you because know, Mar- Marquez, he is that workhorse, which is fantastic. And you know, we it's that command and everything, which throughout the season, I don't know how many pitchers will repeat the same mechanics. I'm sure Justin can probably attest more to this than I can. But your pitching mechanics will sometimes change. They're not the same as they are opening day to the last day of the season. Yeah, so absolutely. And so there's probably something that happened throughout this season, especially in these last month or so, that just the slightest mechanic alteration, there's something Marquez is doing that's really thrown off his you know, his command and everything, and he's that's why he's getting you know, getting those not going as deep into a game, getting those high pitch counts, and can't control his pitches. So uh, that's something to to look at here at the the later end of the season. But if they decide to shut him down, I think there's no harm in that, and. You know, you can bring up Ryan Feltner, make up a phantom injury for Marquez, and then bring up Feltner or somebody else to get a start. You know, that is an interesting transition, especially following along with just how different mechanics can change or even just how your body feels as the season goes on. But something that I was curious about as far as the natural progression of, you'll see a lot of guys in the postseason, it's fairly common that you'll see a lot of big league teams go to a four-man rotation or really throw their starters on a lot of short rest if they're rolling, they'll go with them, and, you know, it's it's very taxing as far as October. If you're a solid marquee arm that's throwing well, they're going to throw you to the Wolves type of thing. So this, of course, isn't quite the case for the Rockies this year, but I've wondered as far as just following a natural progression of almost easing him into the offseason as opposed to, I can only imagine we're going to see Max Scherzer, assuming they get past the wild card round. Scherzer could be in a position to be throwing, I mean, a lot more frequently than he is in the regular season for that matter. So seeing what's the possibility for Marquez, rather than, you know, I, I think the classic case study is what was the offseason like for Madison Bumgarner after the 2014 World Series when he threw pretty much every pitch for the Giants that year? But how can you kind of follow along? Let's say Marquez is able to ease into, you know, it's going to be a slow winding down through September into October. And I think that'll set him up for, you know, moving forward into spring training. He'll be a lot more fresh than some other guys might presumably be able to be. And I think sure. this is this is a better natural progression as far as winding down into the offseason to pick back up into spring training. So I don't necessarily think it's a bad problem to have. I understand these guys definitely want to be playing for a championship. But I think this can do wonders for longevity for pitchers. And I think this could end up being something that, Marquez is able to capitalize on, and I think a couple years on the backside of his career might be credited to maybe being able to wind down a little bit like this at the end of the season. You know, and you guys raised some some really good points on on that to the point where I'm actually kind of changing my mind here. Where <laughs> I I still think it would be totally okay to shut him down for the season, especially when you know the season's done in less than a week or slightly over a week. Pardon me, but. If you do do that with, you know, sort of ramping him down slowly, it also gives a lot of the other guys, especially in the bullpen, the ability to sort of ramp up their workloads 
a little bit to sort of see what they've got because uh, you brought up Julian Fernandez earlier. He hasn't pitched since September 11th, and it's September 24th on day of recording. Mm. So I'd love to see him get some more opportunities to you know go out there and pitch at the end of the season and see what he can do, especially when you know the Rockies were not really playing for anything other than pride at this point. So there's guys that we can sort of not like throw a ton of work at them because the season's winding down and you don't want to risk them getting injured or anything like that. But Julian should be able to get, you know, at least a couple more innings this year, sort of uh, increase going to guys like Jordan Sheffield or Ashton Godot, um, because we really do need to look at, you know, where they fit into this bullpen going forward. Yeah. And, it, and there's, and we talked all season long about the different pieces and, where people are going to fit in going forward. And actually, actually, that's a nice little transition to our next little topic here. That's how we do things. We're professionals around here. Uh, we have got another piece joining the Rockies pitching staff here, and that is Mr. Peter Lambert back from uh, more than a year off. Uh, he had some Tommy John surgery, been working his way up through the minor leagues and some rehab starts. He is now starting again today as we record Friday against the San Francisco Giants. All I want for this, what do you want to see out of Lambert in his first start? He might, you know, make another appearance or two before the season's up. What are you looking to see out of Lambert as he kind of ramps back up into becoming a, you know, significant part of the Rockies pitching plants in the future? Are you guys looking for any specific results, any specific pitches, any specific mechanics, anything you guys got on Lambert and his return to the Rockies? So for me, with Lambert here at the end of the season, uh, hopefully when this episode comes out, he'll have had a good start against the Giants. Everybody, fingers crossed, and... For the future's sake, wow, what a great start. Or, man, what a rough time for Lambert. Uh, <laughs> Edit as appropriate. <laughs> but uh, the, something that I want to see, especially from somebody coming back from Tommy John surgery, and we haven't seen him since 2019, is I just want to see how's the velocity and, more importantly, how's his control. Is he throwing strikes? Is he Does he have command of his pitches? Oh, can he command the zone and just really compete? Because... Well, that's the thing you don't want to see with any pitchers coming in and just can't throw a strike, throwing you know, all over the zone and can't command his pitches. So that's what I want to see regardless of the results. If balls are getting hit or he's giving up hits and stuff, that doesn't matter as much to me. I just want to see how does he look on the mound, how does he deal with these different situations against big league batters, and can he throw strikes? Is he commanding the zone mm-hmm. and commanding his pitches? Mm-hmm. Dig it. Dig it. Solid, solid, good. You know, things you want to keep an eye out for. What do you guys got, Evan and uh, Justin? Anything you guys are looking for? I absolutely agree um, with Skyler here. It's really not a matter of, oh, he's got to go out there and get the win. Oh, he's got to go out there and and really knock our socks off. What I want to see is consistent control. Like, don't walk a ton of people. Maybe get a couple strikeouts. I want to see good, solid, repeatable mechanics uh, in his throwing motion. And it really is just, you know, if he can go three or four innings and look okay and look pretty solid, that's really all I need to see. Peter Lambert is only 24 years old. He's one of the younger guys um, on the team right now. And he hasn't pitched since 2019, where sort of towards the end of the season, he, he was really struggling a lot. And then he was shut down for Tommy John, but he made 19 starts that season. And it really is for me just go out there and look like you've got control of your stuff, look like you're able to 
repeat solidly your pitching motion and, you know, honestly just give us something to look forward to for next year that we we think you can make the rotation or or, you know, break camp with the team because we don't exactly know what the rotation is going to look like overall next season, but yeah. ideally Peter Lambert is on it. Um so that's what I want to see. And something I just noticed, which is this is a total non sequitur, but uh, I'm looking at his baseball reference page, and he went to San Dimas High School. And if anyone's ever watched Bill and Ted. Of course. San Dimas, he's a wild high stallion. San Dimas High School football rules. <laughs> he's a wild stallion, man. Uh, and what do you think, Justin? Are you trying to get anything out of the wild stallion, Peter Lambert? Man, how am I going to follow up the San Dimas High School commentary right there? Uh-oh, <laughs> I, got, I got a lot of expectations for this next little bit, man. <laughs> you know, I do like what you bring up, Evan, as far as talking about. He made 19 starts with the Rockies in 2019. I think it's honorable to really hope that he has a good showing as far as what he's doing in the big league level with the conclusion of this season. But I also don't really know if it matters, and I, I say that conservatively. I think this is just to get him back and to get him used to throwing with that upper deck over his head. So as opposed to a guy like Ryan Feltner, you might want to ease him into it. Well, you know, Peter Lambert's already been eased into it. He's already made 19 starts in the big leagues, and he's very much accustomed to 150 innings in a year dating back to, I mean, his professional debut was when he was 18. So now he's, I believe, 25 years old. He's got his norms underneath him, but he just needs to kind of have that resurfaced approach of, I honestly think this is just to get him a taste of the big leagues again, to really kind of close the book on Tommy John rehab, which, you know, that can be long, that can be strenuous, that can be, you know, it was kind of a misfortunate time when he had it. Granted, yes, it was ideal because there wasn't any minor league action going on last year, but he's able to work his way back in at least a relative time frame to catch a little bit of innings at the back end of 2021. And I don't really know if the results matter just because I think you can kind of just toss this year out as a wash, not saying that it needs to be completely dismissed. But, you know, when you're going from throwing 150 innings in a year to you might break the 25 inning mark this season, I think you can kind of throw the results out. And this is just simply to get his feet wet. So I feel like, yes, you know, as a competitor, you're still going to go out there and you're still going to try to handle it as good as you possibly can. But the one thing that I do want to add, I find it very interesting they're having him pitch today, our record date being Friday, against the Major League Baseball leading San Francisco Giants, as opposed mm. to we have divisional seller Washington Nationals and Arizona Diamondbacks coming up right mm-hmm. here. So, I mean, for viewership's sake, you know, this is incredible. I think this is awesome. And, you know, give him an opportunity. If he has a great showing against the Giants, I feel like that's prime condition, but... I think just based on the natural timing of the rest of the season, it's realistic to think that he's only got two potential starts. I mean, it might be one start, and I can't imagine they put him in the bullpen for two relief appearances. But I think it's interesting to see the timing. I wonder if this is very much just a schedule move of this is what the time frame was all along, and this is just kind of the natural progression of his rehab. But Uh all the while, I'm curious to see, you know, would it be any different if he had the Nationals and the Diamondbacks as opposed to maybe the Giants and the Nationals to finish up the year. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we're in for a pretty good one tonight. I'm sure, you know, anybody that's tuning in, you could probably look at the box score at this point and see how he did. But I think there's a lot of storylines to make out of that, and I think that he could definitely make a statement with a solid showing against the Giants tonight. Absolutely, man. We all, of course, want him to, you know, throw a perfect game tonight. Uh, it'll be great to see uh, how he adjusts. He's continued to make adjustments. And what's interesting, too, just a last little bit on this, 
Uh, Lambert has made starts at High A Spokane. He's made starts at Double A Hartford, and he's made a start or two at Triple A Albuquerque. He has continued to show better results at each level as he goes up. Maybe that's just that he, you know, is getting back into his groove and pitching more, but it is kind of interesting to see the progression as he continues to make his way back to the major league uh, field. So it'll be really cool to kind of see him get that shot tonight. And like we said, hopefully it goes well for him. By the time you're listening to this, you'll know how he did. You know, it's kind of interesting you bring that up just really, really quick before we go to our ad break here. Is that something I've noticed with a couple of our guys going through rehab stuff this year? Um, Colton Welker sort of with each level he went up through his his rehab after his suspension got better so like when he was in you know spokane he was sort of eh, and then he hartford improved and then in albuquerque just started you know knocking everybody's socks off again it's sort of a an interesting thing that you notice there yeah man and it is cool because you know one would imagine it's the opposite facing respectfully lower level competition uh you know yields better results but doesn't always work out that way, and that's why baseball is the best sport, because it makes no sense at all. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and take a quick little ad break here. we got a little bit more Rockies news to uh, talk about when we come back. We're also going to talk about the uh, division around us, so the Dodgers, talk some Padres, maybe get into that weird situation with the Rays and Jays, and finish up with uh, some more wild card talk. So stick with us through this break. We'll be back here in just a minute. And we are back. Thanks for joining us again at Affected by Altitude. You'll notice as we talk in the second half that there are just the usual three of us again, myself, Skylar, and Evan. Our associate, Justin, being the awesome dude that he is, is actually working with MLB for the Arizona Fall League this season. And therefore, he had to jump off uh, the second half of this podcast to go take care of some of the things they have him doing for that. It's going to be really awesome. Make sure you guys are following Justin on Twitter. Uh, keep getting updates on all of his great writing. He and Kenneth also are uh, our associates, and they work on the Pebble Report podcast. So Justin's doing a lot of great work. Like I said, one of the editors of Purple Row. Love that guy, man. We're going to have him on again in the future. Make sure you guys keep an eye on what he's up to and everything. But that is that, and this is now. We are back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. And I guess just the last little bit of Rockies uh, sort of news or updates I just want to kind of wrap up with is the Rockies are officially out of playoff contention. That is not a positive, of course, but look how deep into the season they got before that was done. There are 10 games left in the season, and the Rockies have only just now been eliminated from playoff contention. Now, if the Rockies win out their last 10 games, then they will finish with an exactly 500 record. Unlikely. But either way, the fact is the Rockies are going to finish more than likely with a losing record. However, I think it's fair to say that they are more than likely going to finish with a far better record than a lot of people thought they would. Uh, they, as we again, again, as we sit here recording before Friday's game, they're 71 and 81. They're probably going to finish around, I don't know, maybe they go five and five. But the point is, the Colorado Rockies were in playoff contention until the last 10 games of the season. This doesn't have to be a super in-depth answer for either of you brothers, but what do you make of this, that the Rockies were actually halfway in there up until the very end of the season? Is this something to build on? Is it a fluke? What do you make of it? So, so this reminds me of in high school, I took an intro to business class, and we did mm-hmm. like a, you know, a virtual stock market, like one of those games that are on a website. And stuff where you get your virtual money and you invest in stocks and stuff. And cool. I had no clue what I was cool. doing. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, 
I'm going to finish last in the class. Like, I have no idea. This isn't <laughs> happening. Turns out, like, the last day of the season, I came in, like, second. The last day of the school year, I came in second behind my buddy, and I beat the teacher in the class, too. Nice. Like, <laughs> that's what kind of brought this up of, no, the Rockies, everybody's expectations, no. Media people, especially even fans in Colorado, everything. A lot of people thinking, now yeah, the Rockies, they're going to lose over 100 games. You know, the Coors Field's going to fall into a, a sinkhole somehow. <laughs> uh, all this other stuff. But turns out eh, they did better than everybody thought they would, which is always a nice, pleasant surprise. Uh, yes. But you know, good on them for hanging on to dear life until you know, the very – last part of the season but unfortunately that road record throughout the year just killed them killed any chances of mm-hmm. competing and so uh, it's unfortunate but good on them is a lot nice pleasant surprise if they survive this long <laughs> yeah it really is it really is a pleasant surprise because i'm with you I, I i don't mind saying that i thought the Rockets were gonna be in the 95 you know loss range like i i'll be honest that that was my prediction and I was way off. The Rockies are doing far better than that. What do you think, Evan? Were you sort of in that same idea of they're going to be terrible and this is a surprise, or are you going to be able to build off of this? What do you think from all this? So if if y'all remember a lot of the stuff that I was saying when we first started the show and um, I had a couple independent things that I put up right before the season started and some things that I wrote for the site at the very beginning of the year is that I, I always considered the Rockies were going to be not great this season and that's mm-hmm. that's where we're at we're currently 71 and 81 with 10 games to go my prediction was that we go 71 and 91 so but even even if we you know, we lose all 10 of these remaining games that's the record we're going to be at and that's still not nearly as bad as a lot of people were predicting there was so much i think sound and fury um, following the Nolan Arenado trade leading into spring training, that people's expectations and attitude with the team just immediately cratered. And, you know, I, I can't blame people for that. It was a tough time. But if you look at this season and how we've done the last two seasons, with or without Nolan Arenado, the results were kind of the same. Um, where we are... You know, it's not a winning season. I think, what was our record in, in 2019? It was like 71 and, it was something around like 71 and 91 about yeah. where we're going to finish this year. And I think that speaks volumes to the resiliency of a lot of these, a lot of the guys on this team. And, you know, some of these guys are going to be leaving. Trevor Story is probably gone next year, and that's definitely going to be a hit. But mm-hmm. there have been a decent amount of positives this season. We've had Brendan Rodgers prove that he can be an everyday starter. We've had Elias Diaz emerge as a really solid catcher who's been incredibly durable. He, you know, despite getting beat up a lot behind the plate, no major injuries, no major amounts of missed time, despite the really rough start to the season, he really, really put things together. You know, Charlie Blackman's definitely, especially at the beginning of the season, he he struggled because the way that pitchers were approaching him had changed so drastically, so he had to change his, his plate approach, and he's really, you know, put it back together, though his power numbers aren't necessarily there. Um, we had some really solid guys come out of nowhere, like uh, C.J. Crone and Connor Joe, 
And so it's really a matter of you need to you need to meter out your expectations in a way that makes you know so you're not you can't being over enthusiastic is great, but you don't really want to get your hopes up too high. But at the same time, being overly pessimistic, like I had people coming at me on socials uh, at the beginning of the season saying that the Rockies were going to be the single worst team in baseball history, worse than like the 1898 or whatever Cleveland Spiders that you know mm-hmm. lost the most games in Major League history. And you know, there was definitely a lot of really tough parts of the season, especially with how we performed on the road in the first half. That was really really tough and it it sucks to think about that if we had performed at least a little bit better on the road in that first half we could still be in wild card contention versus being eliminated especially with how the um excuse me how the the Padres totally collapsed but there are definitely positives for the season. And I think that's the most important thing is that even if the result is disappointing, you know, the Rockies miss the playoffs, we don't um, get a winning record or anything like that. It's so, so important if you have a healthy approach to baseball fandom and sports fandom in general to be able to pull the positives and go, okay, so this part was bad, but this part was good. And, you know, try and meter out your expectations so that you're not going to be totally miserable. The, and the, the one thing that still that I my biggest fear, though, of the Rockies performing the way they have and ending with the record, they probably will, is I'm just terrified of you know, after the season's done. We have the front office media day if they have one. Hopefully they do. And we just yeah. hear the same things again of, oh, our team performed a lot better than we than. We think they can perform a lot better, and we're just a few pieces away from contention. And then they don't do anything all off season because they think they have everything they need in house, and that's just what scares me. And there's this team took a lot of big steps this year, and their record shows that of you know, a relatively young younger team, or you know the 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 lesser names, the nobodies, so to speak. And but the thing for the Rockies is that in order to improve upon this record. A lot of those guys are gonna have to show some significant improvement in the coming year, yes, or coming years, yes. because we don't have a single guy hitting over 300 right now, and no, only CJ Crone has the mo- CJ Crone has the most home runs, but we still don't have anybody hitting over 30 home runs. Um, mm-hmm. We need guys to make big steps offensively, and we're seeing it in the bullpen of guys stepping up in the bullpen a little bit more. Our rotations continually improving. But the team as a whole, everybody needs to improve significantly if they want to get to that you know, 94 wins that Dick Monfort prophesied several years ago. Because you know, we, yes. we can't just have one or two guys being really good and expect them to carry the team. That's not how baseball works. It's not like basketball or even football where you can have the one superstar who can carry the team and everybody else can kind of be okay. No, yeah, you just need, look at the Angels. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, great point. They need multiple people you know, and you know, to everybody hit a groove because throughout this season we saw times C.J. Crone gets hot for a month oh, and then he kind of cools off a little bit or Ryan McMahon's hot for a month or so. Then he kind of cooled off. You know, where it never seems like there's multiple guys getting hot at the same exact time or even through the lineup. 
Whereas if one person goes cold, then the rest of the lineup kind of goes cold. So they, they need to find that pure balance and take those big steps going forward. So they're, And they're on the right path. Something I'll say on that, Skyler, is that you know what you're talking about with the front office coming out. It's, oh, we're, we're, we're closer than everybody thinks. They were probably going to do that anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. that's sort of been just the modus operandi for the last decade or so. But something that it's going to require a little bit of, bit of patience is the front office is different from what it was last year. Um, we're going to have a new general manager, be it Bill Schmidt or be it somebody else. The farm director is different. The assistant general managers are different. Um, the Rockies recently hired someone away from the Nationals to head up their research and development team, which uh, I won't get into too much, but I think it's a really fantastic hire. And so the question is more of wait and see what happens with the with the GM hunt. And if it is Bill Schmidt, then does he listen to the newly rebuilt R&D team? And it's not it's not all doom and gloom because something I want to remind people is as much as we all piled on Jeff uh, Breidich here, two of the major performers this year in Connor Joe and CJ Crone were brought in by Jeff Breidich before his departure from the team during spring training on minor league deals. Yeah. So you can't throw everything that that happened previously in the toilet and you i absolutely understand going oh you know this front office is going to go oh we're just a few pieces away but at the same time as much as i hate to say it what what front office is going to go this team is a dumpster fire and we need to completely rebuild outside of the the mariners kind of did that but their attendance really took a hit and you know as much as none of us like it attendance is always going to be the key feature for ownership that's just unfortunately the business of baseball and so i'm trying to be be patient and have you know at least somewhat cautious optimism for the off season because there's nothing we can do until then and there's so many unknowns going to this offseason, be it a potential labor stoppage with the CBA, a new general manager for the Rockies, uh, any other sort of changes like that. So it's really just, you know, right now, ride out the rest of the season and then wait and see what we do from there. Well, my thing is I'd love for the front office to come out you know, after that record and everything and then come out and like, yeah, I know we're these guys and we are closer and here's our plan moving forward. Because mm-hmm. when it's just the vague, like, we're close to contending, and then they don't do anything all off season, that or do very, like, significant things, that's what I want to see is them come out and, like, you know, share their plan. Because, yeah, nobody's ever going to come out and say, this team is the worst in baseball history and we're going to blow it up type of thing. You know, they're always going to spin the optimism. But I'd love to see the plan moving forward. And, you know, if Bill Schmidt is the GM – and then he comes out and say, this is what we're going to do. This is what we want to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. That's great. Because we've already seen they're starting to make those moves to improve the research and development department. Which is yeah. very, that's bringing some hope in some aspects. No, that's, that's significant. And and if Bill Schmidt, assuming he gets the job, which all signs seem to point that he will. If he comes out and has that kind of press conference, like this is my vision and my plan for this team and what I want to do, 
that will already do a lot more than we've gotten sometimes in the past where you know the Rockies are very secretive and they're like, yes, we're doing things to improve the team. Wink. Oh. <laughs> and then they kind of go do whatever they do behind closed doors and sign Wade Davis to a gigantic contractor, Ian Desmond. You know, yeah. They, if they come out and just a little bit more transparency and say what their plan is, that'll go a long way building off of the record this year. Oh, yeah, we're at a contention, but we are closer, and here's how we're going to keep moving forward. This is what we're going to do. Oh, this is how we're going to prove. I will say we have seen some increased transparency, especially with the media from Bill Schmidt, where he's been willing to sit down and do interviews, and he has sort of discussed you know, what his thoughts are and things like that. And I do think that's encouraging. I think Bill Schmidt in general – like, you know, we don't know for sure that he's going to be the, the GM, but really all signs are pointing to that because, yeah, the Rockies are required to interview other candidates, but they can do that and still go, yeah, but Bill Schmidt's still going to be the guy. But Bill Schmidt is, at the very least, even though I wouldn't necessarily love the move right off the bat, he is a lot more sociable and transparent with the media and with the team versus um, in the past, especially when it was the the British and Monfort show where, you know, they did sort of, sort of show an active disdain for the media and for really wanting to keep things close to their chest and not really talk to anybody. And so that is a positive I take away from, from the potential Bill Schmidt hiring there. Woof. Deep. I like it. No, no, it's good, man. Cause you're right. Like this, this, there's a lot that can be said about the Rocky. I mean, we've had the conversation many times, but like, there's a lot that can be said at the Rockies future and the general concept of what is the plan, right? What is exactly the idea? And it is interesting that we have a Rockies team that very many people thought would not be very good this year. And yeah, they aren't great this year, but they're solid this year. Right. I mean, if the Rockies play, you know, 350 baseball on the road, then they are solidly in playoff contention for a wild card spot. I mean, that's crazy to think about, right? How, you know, a historically bad road record is the only thing that kept the Rockies out of playoff contention. Yeah, that's a big deal, but it's it's just goes to show that, like, they are not as bad as people think. So now what's the plan to get them to that next level? So I think we could talk about this for hours, and I love hearing your guys' takes on this. A couple quick things I do want to hit before we get out of here. Uh, just sort of quick hits. These are not things that are super, super, you know, uh, lengthy topics. Just general ideas about things. The division, right? We talk about wild card spots. Well, you know who's struggling to stay around in the wild card are the Padres. They have really, really fallen off. I mean, since the All-Star break in this second half of the season, the Padres have struggled mightily to stay in contention with the uh, surging uh, wildcard race. I mean, you've got the Giants and the Dodgers. Whoever does not win that division is going to take the first wildcard spot. That's fine. But, I mean, you've got teams like the St. Louis Cardinals and the Philadelphia Phillies and the Cincinnati Reds that are taking advantage of the mistakes being made by the Padres and really gaining ground on, the, on them. As we record today, Padres are just two games over 500. And they are six games 
back of the wild card, they might not make it in at all. For a team that, I don't know about y'all, I had as going to the World Series this year. What do you make of this? What's causing this sort of tailspin for Padres? And is there anything they can do at this point to get back in the wild card hunt? It, it's rough for them uh, because you know, we've seen over these past two years that the Padres went all in uh, and just wheeling and dealing, bringing in the biggest names they could. Uh, this is a team that also almost brought in Max Scherzer for their yeah. for their rotation, and instead it went to their opponent, the Dodgers, which uh, what a kick in the pants that was to them. Uh, but it's it's for the Padres. A lot has been you know they've dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, throughout the season but also you look at that starting rotation and a lot of it's kind of been decimated by injury and also just underperformance where you know Blake Snell and Yu Darvish both of them weren't exactly the dominant pitchers they were hoping they'd be all season like they've been fairly good at points but they've also gone some stretches where uh, they're just getting lit up like a Christmas tree and so the Padres just all their parts I just haven't melded together and been firing on all cylinders, especially as of late and where they're kind of finding themselves falling out of contention. Whereas teams like the Dodger or not the Dodgers, the Cardinals are getting super hot and just shooting up the rankings there in the wild card. Yeah. So it, it's yeah. just been a lot of turmoil and injuries and just, you no, know, they're not peaking at the right time. They're kind of, you know, in a lower aspect of their their season so a lot's gone wrong for them and just underperformed and haven't been able to capitalize when they could yeah i i will say real quick before i get to you i mean you mentioned the cardinals skyler cardinals as we record today have won 12 straight games and as we are talking it's the top of the sixth and they're up six to nothing on the cubs so they're likely to win their 13th straight game and this is like 2007 rockies like you know what i'm saying like they are on another level right now and as the Cardinals have been surging, the Padres have been spiraling. What do you make of it, Evan? Yeah, so the Padres, a lot of it does boil down to that starting pitching, especially, where I think the inability to close that Max Scherzer deal colors the entire second half of the season for the Padres, where their rotation is just in absolute shambles now. And you look at how... Mad Max is done with the Dodgers where the Rockies in this last series against the Dodgers were really the first team to get to him and sort of chase that? him out of a ball game since the trade deadline. And that's absolutely crazy. And it really is that, you know, the Padres, they failed to make the significant moves they needed to, to bolster, especially that rotation, um, for the second half and now they're just completely collapsing in their last 10 games they're three and seven they are now six games back i'm sorry uh i was looking at the wrong thing they are now yeah no they're six games back in the wild card race Mm -hmm. uh with cincinnati and philadelphia ahead of them and an absolutely surging cardinals team where we're looking at the rockies who were just eliminated have a chance of finishing the season with a better record than the Padres. They're not that far apart where the, um, the Padres are 77 and 75 and the Rockies are 71 and 81. And that the Rockies could manage to steal third place in the division from the Padres who just 
they talked such a big game at the beginning of the season and at the at the deadline they made all those moves as well and they're just not getting it done and the 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 cardinal surging is such another another big deal too because the Milwaukee Brewers just clinched a playoff appearance like they're officially in but they're on a five game losing streak and um the cardinals are only like eight games behind them so the cardinals could win out especially with the surge they're on right now and Absolutely. if the brewers you know say lose out or something like that with their you know difficult losing streak we could see the the Cardinals take their division away from Milwaukee. Yeah, and how crazy would that be if the Cardinals, who, you know, a month and a half ago were, you know, fighting to stay above water as well, now they are, you know, favorites to get that second wild card. Like you said, if not win the division, like that's a huge, huge, huge turnaround. Nolan Arnauto obviously being a very key part in that for them. Uh, so it'll be, you know, as I say, every single one of these podcasts, man, we'll got to keep an eye on this. And then by the time we record next week, we will probably have our answer as to what ended up happening with the Cardinals, what happened with the Padres and the Phillies and Reds stuck in between. Last little bit of news we want to get to here. We just learned earlier today, in fact, that uh, we had number 33 for Larry Walker go into the Hall of Fame. Well, there's another Hall of Fame, number 33 being entered, and that's Justin Morneau going to the Twins Hall of Fame. There's team-specific Hall of Fame. Uh, great, you know, player for the Rockies, won a batting title here in Colorado. Real quick, what do you all make of uh, Justin Morneau and his uh, newest accolade? No, I was just saying good on him because in a Twins uniform, Justin Morneau was a legitimate just offensive threat. A couple of, He's a couple of those MVP awards and everything. He was a really good Minnesota Twin and – now, how unfortunate that, you know, for him that he wasn't able to play his whole career there. You know, near the end, got traded over to the Pirates at the deadline and then ultimately signed with the Rockies that offseason, which it turned out well for us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but, you know, good on him, and you know, he's definitely deserving. He did a lot in Minnesota. You know, so he was an instrumental part in some of those years. And it's unfortunate they couldn't go any further with him, you know, into the playoffs or anything. Because uh, he's one of those players like, man, he was really good, but I wish he could have played more in the playoffs. I think we've said it uh, before, probably the best first baseman the Rockies have had since Elton retired, right? Yeah, he's up there. Definitely up there. Yeah. What do you make of Morneau, Evan? I know you're a big Morneau guy. I love Justin Morneau. Um, yeah, you I do. am really, really happy for him that he's getting this accolade to be inducted into the Twins Hall of Fame. He was very, very popular as a twin. Um, in his in his many years there, uh, won the MVP in 2006, was a four-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, and then you know unfortunately his time did have to come to an end there. But then he came over to Colorado, and I have some very very fond memories of him in a Rockies uniform, even though it was only for you know, two seasons. But I'm I'm super happy to see him go in, especially uh, Larry Walker's fellow uh, two middle named Canadian, and the last player to wear number thirty three in a Rockies uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is great. It's it's so cool when you see these uh, great Rockies players getting their you know getting their flowers. Uh, yeah, not much else to say here, man. Just Morneau, a great player, a great 
part of the Twins organization, an integral part of the Rockies organization for the time that he was here. My personal Morno um, memory is it didn't last for too long, but it was Arenado at third, Story at short, LeMahieu at second, and Morneau at first base. You couldn't find a better defensive infield. And I remember for a little bit they were called the Coors Shield, and I thought was that, that was so cool to me. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, we don't really have uh, that quite same uh, defensive. I mean, there's great defensive players on the Rocks right now, but that, I just remember, it was like a really big highlight for me. Um, yeah, man, that is it. That is all we've got uh, for this year podcast. Uh, Evan, I know you had one quick idea before you wanted to uh, call it a day. What do you got for us? So I figured since the Rockies are officially out of playoff contention, uh, officially eliminated as of yesterday at time of recording. Uh, yep. It's not like we're all going to quit watching the Rockies or anything like that, but as the playoff race starts to draw to a close, we could each maybe give a shout-out to a team that we are you know, watching closely or paying close attention to uh, that's still in the gunning for it. Dig it. Um, who's your Skyler? Who's your team? The Denver Broncos. Uh, <laughs> there it is. There it is. No, that's, uh, the, that's the Colorado sports radio answer. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, Seriously, I, I think for me, team to keep an eye on is that Seattle Mariners team because they're very close in that wild card. I think they're only like two games back or so. You know, they're closing it in. So that American League wild card in general, just fun to watch because how delicious and just satisfying would it be to see the Yankees and the Red Sox miss out on the wild card? And instead, it's the Toronto Blue Jays and the Seattle Mariners. That would be ideal. Who's yours, Evan? Uh, so, Skyler stole mine. I was absolutely going to say the Mariners, who are my probably number two team that I follow. The Mariners are having a really, really great season uh, where they are 84 and 69 right now, and they're on a five game winning <laughs> nice. streak. Um, especially with how they've, they really just took control over that series they just had against the uh, Oakland A's and are now about to start up a series with the Angels. And they do actually have a uh, series against the Yankees to, uh, as we start to close out the season. And if the Yankees can start losing, and I think a big thing here is that uh, the Yankees and the Red Sox are starting a series today. If I think Boston's going to make it in. But if Boston can beat up on the Yankees and the Mariners can keep winning and the Blue Jays can can sort of put it back together, which, yeah, I don't know, I'm kind of mad at them right now for this whole debacle. But they yeah. the Mariners have a real chance to get in right now, and that would be such a huge deal for their fans and for that rebuild where 2021 was the year that general manager Jerry DePoto said that this team was going to sort of start to bear fruit, and they really have. And then mm-hmm. um, I do also want to say the, the Cardinals who are on this huge surge and are still you know, potentially able to even rob the division away from the Milwaukee Brewers. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the team to watch is the Cardinals. They are playing unreal baseball right now. They are so hot. Everything is clicking for them. Uh, my other team to watch, honestly, is the White Sox. And I know that they are not really playing for much at this point just because they've already locked up their division and they are cruising into the playoffs. But I think they're dangerous. I think that, you know, it's hard to say that they're slept on just because they did win their division so easily. But I think a lot of people uh, partly attribute that to the the AL Central is probably the weakest division in baseball overall. Um, there's not a lot of great teams in that division. 
So I don't think people are really taking the White Sox as serious threats. But I think once the playoff starts, uh, the White Sox are really going to be playing with house money. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of expectations for them. What a great time to blow people up. So I think, you know, as the season winds down, the Cardinals have to be the team to watch. But I think once the playoffs begin, White Sox being a really, really fun team to get behind. And they have a lot of great young stars, a lot of fun players, the Abreu's, the Andersons, guys like that. Uh, I'm a big I'm a big White Sox guy at this point. So, yeah, dig it, man. And that's all we got. As always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Uh, we love doing this podcast. We got one more of these for the season's up. In the meantime, Skyler, where can they find you on Twitter? Find at sideline underscore crowd. Consistently find Skyler making some hilarious Rockies memes during games, man. They are a blast. They're so much fun to watch. Evan, where are people finding you? Uh, you can find me at, at Evan underscore Lang27. I would love very much to hear from you. You can also find the podcast at where? Uh, the official podcast Twitter account is at Altitude Effect. Um, we post the podcast episodes on there and try and reach out to people. I've been not so good with putting the icebreakers on there recently just because there's been a lot going on in a lot of different ways right now. But if you ever want to reach out to us on there, please feel free to do so. Awesome, awesome. Justin Wick was on earlier on the episode. He's, like I said, one of the editors of Purple Row. You can find him at Just Wick. Just Wick at Twitter. He's great. He's been doing a lot of work with the Arizona Fall League, like we said. He's a writer for Pitcherless as well. Justin does a lot of fantastic work on a lot of different sites, so make sure you check him out. And then I can be found at Cormac Battle Pro, which is at C-O-R-M-A-C Battle Pro. I do want to mention one quick thing, not uh, baseball-related, so I'll kind of burn through this here. Uh, anyone knows me knows that I am a pro wrestler. That's what I do uh, when I'm not you know, working on baseball stuff. Uh, one of my other pro wrestling associates, a good friend of mine, uh, suffered a really awful injury uh, this past weekend, um, last week on Saturday, uh, doing what he loves, doing what we love. He uh, really seriously injured himself. Um, so we have a GoFundMe going. You can find that all over my Twitter feed. Uh, don't got to contribute yourselves. Obviously, if you're able to, that'd be great. But just a like or a share or whatever would mean a lot to me and mean a lot to his family. Really trying to take care of our buddies. So uh, thanks. That's all. Just kind of burn past that. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We appreciate you guys. Like I said, we got one more of these before the season ends. We'll have something fun going on next week to kind of wrap up this rocky season. And from there, we'll kind of take it from there. Uh, thank you very much. Skyler, hit him with it. Farewell. Excellente. We'll catch you all later. Bye-bye. <laughs>